Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. This is our number two of The Rob Carson Show. The number is 800-922-6680. If you'd like to uh, play. Uh, so we know today that over 40 confidential FBI sources say there is criminal evidence of Joe Biden, James and Hunter doing a money laundering racket, and the FBI lying about all of it and shutting down the story to throw elections. The FBI involved for 15 years uh, in in the Biden family, noticing all of the, uh, the uh, malfeasance and whatnot, and they worked hand-in-hand with other government agencies to cover up Joe Biden's illegality. It is remarkable. We, this is, I mean, you know, they always compare things to Watergate. Watergate is a fart in the wind compared to what is happening with our government right now. And I hope to hell somebody uh, upsets this apple cart and reinvents everything. Because I'm going to tell you, it is, uh, this is absolutely uh, remarkable. I mean, it's not a surprise, right? I mean, is anybody surprised? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is uh, Jesse Waters last night talking about the FBI dropping investigations on Joe Biden. And they did. And they did. And now over 40 informants are saying they have evidence that illegal... 40. All right? So to the mainstream media, you're dead. ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, MSNBC. You should have... Your, 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 uh, your network should have ended with the 40 agents. But I think when you lied about the hospital bombing to ignite uh, uh, anti-Semitism around the world. I think that pretty much sealed your fate. I'm just saying, right? Here is uh, Mr. Matt Gates. Even the FBI informant that said the Bidens shook I mean, Mr. Waters. down Ukraine for a $10 million bribe, that was vetted and found not to be foreign disinformation. Uh, weird. But it gets worse. Uh, what? The FBI's attempt to follow up yeah. on the $10 million Ukrainian Biden bribe yeah. was shut down. Oh, really? The FBI informant Weird. who said there's 17 tapes of Biden talking about bribes, that too has been shut down. Huh. Despite that there's no evidence that this is foreign disinformation. And while all of this is going on, yes. the FBI has been actively planting information against Donald Trump. That is weird, isn't it? You know, like when there was the raid of Mar-a-Lago where they didn't really have a crime at all. And, and people like Joe Scarborough said, it's because of nuclear secrets. Derp, 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 derp. And what they did is they went in and they just dug through everything, including Melania's drawer. Uh, I could say drawers, that would sound weird. Uh, Baron's room, everything. Did it all just to find anything and then they laid out pictures they laid out pictures like a baseball trophy from uh, from baron and, and a confidential document uh, uh uh folder right they did it they did it they didn't do that to bob menendez in his house 
they, they sat on that for 15 months before they released the gold bar photos and the half a million dollars in cash. It is remarkable. And you know what? We're supposed to have a, uh, a justice system that is blind, right? So you've got literally an AG of the state of New York. Justice is blind. She does not make up her mind before a trial, right? Wrong. The president of the United States has complained that I'm engaging in some sort of political witch hunt, that I've got some personal vendetta against him, that I campaigned against him. That is not true. This illegitimate president who sits in the White House. That president, because he's not my president, he's an illegitimate president. His days are numbered. Huh. Weird. We've got to get ready to mobilize, and we've got to get ready to agitate and irritate until victory is won, but more importantly, until Trump is defeated. We will all rise up and resist this man, and ultimately, we'll bring him... Man, I'd love to see that woman go to jail eventually. All hells to the yes. Absolutely, 1,000 million percent. Really, 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 really. And then, of course, they, uh, they've issued a gag order so, Joe, uh, for, so Donald Trump can't uh, respond when the FBI lo- uh, leaks stuff, when, when the prosecution leaks stuff, things like that. So a U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is, by the way, a, uh, a Klingon. Uh, she, uh, she speaks fluent Klingon. Tanya Chutkin is how they pronounce it in Klingon who is presiding over the federal case charging Trump with plotting to overturn the election results of 2020 last week, temporarily paused the, the, uh, the order to prevent him from making comments, right? In a motion filed Wednesday night, special counsel Jack Smith, who also, I hope, goes to jail for life, encouraged uh, Chutkin to put places, the, uh, the restrictions back in place. So why is that? Why is that? Well, you see, uh, 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 the, uh, the condition, barring communication with witnesses and the facts of the case, includes indirect messages and to witnesses made publicly on social media or in speeches. In speeches. In speeches. So he can't talk about the trial during speeches. That's almost like they're restricting his speech when he's trying to campaign, isn't it? Of course it is. It's beyond, it's beyond fraudulent. It's a joke. Donald Trump stormed out of the fraud trial yesterday after his crooked former attorney, Michael Cohen, testified. I'll give you the details on that, but first, something from Mr. Jim Gossett, Freedom Rock 2023. It's just like the 60s, except for much more corrupt. How many lies can Michael Cohen tell? Oh, a lot of them. How many laws will he break? Will Cohen go to stab Trump in the back? Although his stories have baked, when will they send him back to jail? Please tell me what would it take? Cohen sealed his fate, can't keep his story straight. Mike Cohen can't keep his story straight. Yeah, well, this is a kangaroo court. And the only thing they could come up with was a a fake charge of Donald Trump uh, inflating the value of his properties to get bank loans, which he paid back in full. There's no complainant. Nobody lost any money. Everybody got what they wanted. And in this court proceeding, Donald Trump's properties are being undervalued by the court so they can take $250 million of his money and put him out of business. Yeah, this is the United States of America. That's why I want these SLBs in jail when this is all over. 
Unbelievable. Michael Cohen is a scumbag. Uh, he was always bordered on bankruptcies, a complete failure in everything. Under uh, cross-examination, he didn't remember if Trump had asked him to inflate the values of his assets on financial records at the heart of the civil case. What? An attorney for Trump then asked the, uh, the judge, uh, Arthur Ingeron, for a direct, uh, directed verdict based on his answer, which said Donald Trump never asked him to inflate the values. The judge said no, because you can't be a kangaroo court if you allow evidence supporting the, the, the defense. You can't have a kangaroo court. And, uh, and so uh, uh, Donald Trump got up and left. The, the request was denied, even though the evidence is right there. The case is dead. He got up and left, came back in. And, and then, of course, um, Cohen is a scumbag trying to save his ass and wants to get a job on MSNBC. Uh, he, he said he, he, he didn't, Trump didn't exactly tell him to inflate the numbers. He communicated the outcome he wanted. He, he speaks like a mob boss is what he said. Trump later walked back in the courtroom and, uh, and the, the, uh, uh, the uh, attorney for Trump asked the judge for a directed verdict. And the, the uh, judge said, absolutely not. There's enough evidence in this case to fill the courtroom. The judge has already made up their, their mind. It is, uh, it is sickening. It is sickening. This is uh, Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch who is fighting the good fight against this nonsense. Uh, Letitia James, the anti-Trump Democratic prosecutor, is trying to destroy Trump's businesses. And uh, the judge in that case was angry that Trump had posted something about a staffer on the court. So he issued a gag order ordering Trump to take that down, yeah, and he yeah. did. Well, evidently, it was still up on his campaign website. And the judge decided, obviously, that Trump wasn't personally responsible for that oversight. Yeah. But the judge said, you know, I'm going to, I don't care. I'm going to fine you $5,000. Show me the man, I'll show you the fines. And he did. And then I just, I just saw, <laughs> just before I came on, he said, I'm going to do something even more severe, maybe even throw him in jail if there are any intentional or unintentional violations of my order. So that sounds like a kangaroo court to me, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you put him in jail, you see what happens in the country. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I don't think you want to do that. I'm just saying, I, I am, I'm, just, I'm an observer here. I'm just saying, you don't want to do that. That's the, that would be the final straw for the American people who are tired of this, who are fed up being fed up. Now listen to this. This is from the ACLU. The ACLU is going to file suit. Yeah, they filed a court document blasting Tanya. The, the gag order as unconstitutionally vague. Listen to this. And, and even like, like uh, Hakeem Jeffries had to qualify the introduction of Mike Johnson, of course the ACLU had to qualify their answer. This is from the interest of Amaki, Amasi Cure. That's uh, Latin for court stuff. Anyway. Uh, it says here, da, 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 former president, now defendant Donald Trump, has, has, has said many things, much that he has said has been patently false. Of course, i got to you know, say this. It's, it's like Hakeem Jeffries. Caused great harm to countless individuals. Who? Who? As well as the republic itself. Who? Some of his words in action, blah, blah, blah. But Trump retains a First Amendment right to speak. The rest of us retain a right to hear what he has to say. Thus, any restraint this court imposes on defendants' future speech must be precisely defined and narrowly tailored to protect the impartial administration of justice. Respectively, the court's October 17th gag order fails that test. And we urge the court to reevaluate. That's the ACLU. They're wrong about everything. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that crazy? That's pretty crazy. 
Let's see. I think I got the Donald Trump yesterday uh, talking about this. Let me see if I can find that. Mr. Trump's uh, comments yesterday about uh, what happened yesterday in court. I've got it here somewhere, hopefully uh, not too far away. I'm going to have to get to that in one second. I don't have it right in front of me right now. Donald Trump did come out yesterday in front of the uh, courthouse and talked about uh, the nonsense that's going on um, and the uh, lack of evidence and blah, blah, blah. I can go on and on and on. So there you go. I think I'm done with that topic. Is that cool? I think I've, I think I've gotten into all the details that I need to get to on this, right? Uh, we know it's a kangaroo court. We know that the FBI, the DOJ, the deep state are on the side of, of Joe Biden covering all the evidence of his uh, political malfeasance, even though there are 40-plus FBI insiders who can contest to the illegality of the, of the Biden campaign. And yet, the FBI covered up all of the evidence through at least two election seasons uh, and beyond. Uh, they knew about all the uh, illegality, and they were down with it. And they went after, and they are still going after Donald Trump in a kangaroo court fashion as he's trying to run for president. So there you go. There you go. That's, I think, pretty much about uh, all I can say about that. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, here is, here is a little bit from tr- uh, Donald Trump yesterday. Before we go to the break, I'll let you hear this real quick. He said that mar lager was worth $18 million, and it's worth $1.5 billion Yeah, the the court is committing the opposite fraud. And this is legitimately fraudulent, undervaluing, so they can get somebody for overvaluing. They decide the value that Donald Trump has ascribed. Then the court comes in and says, oh, no, it's only worth this much. You just broke the law. You see what's going on here? He called me a fraud, and he values my lot with 18 million. 18 million. And you can't do that. It's worth probably 50 to 100 times more than that. Yeah. And our corrupt attorney general, she's totally corrupt. She just wanted the publicity to Leticia. run for governor. And then she failed running for governor. She got, no, she got practically nothing in terms of voting. But she went after Trump because she was running for governor. That's the only reason. Yeah, it's all about politics. Uh, let's take a break. Here's the number, guys. 800-922-6680. We're going to get into what's going on in Israel. Uh, Jamal Bowman has been charged with pulling the fire alarm. He's admitted to it, and he's getting a slap on the wrist. That's coming up. James from Albuquerque, you'll be next. This is The Rob Carson Show. Just got a call. Somebody wanted to know uh, where they can catch the archive of my TV show, which is called Rob Carson's What in the World? Just go to NewsmaxTV.com, okay? ACDC. Turn that up. <laughs> uh, anyway, NewsmaxTV.com, just go to uh, shows, and then you'll see the archive of my show. And if you go back like six months ago, you're going to go, oh, Fat Rob. And then you're going to come to here, it's like, Skinny Rob. It's pretty crazy. It's like, uh, I mean, you like two years ago, you're like, what the hell was wrong with him? And now it's like, hey, he looks pretty good. So anyway, <laughs> the content has always been good, even the host has the kind of changed a little bit, thankfully, in a very positive way. Still got about another 15 pounds. Bought a new suit, by the way. Uh, I dropped from 289 or 286. Right now, I'm a little below 240. Uh, 38 waist. Still not where I want to be there, but down from 46. I'm embarrassed to say it. Uh, Chest is at 52. Thank you. 
Testosterone? <gasps> yeah, yeah, I've been doing the old uh, testosterone thing and hitting the gym, and my God, it's like, freaking, I'm, I'm like, you would, sh- ladies, I'm telling you, when you see me November the 16th, you're going to go, hey, not not anybody I'd be interested in sexually, but yeah, he looks pretty good for his age. There you go. That's what I get. Anyway, <laughs> that's the way it is. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu says all Hamas fighters are doomed. Yes. As he says, Israel is getting prepared to invade Gaza in a chilling new warning to the terror, terrorist group. I hope he just lays waste. I hope he's like uh, like the uh, uh, in, in the movie Tombstone when they decided to go after the cowboys. And Kurt Russell said, hell is coming. I'm coming. Hell is coming with me. Uh, that's what Benjamin Netanyahu is doing, and I hope he does, man. Close the door. Let him go to town. Mr. Netanyahu, in a televised address, uh, refused to provide details about the considerations of the invasion. It did have something to do with, uh, quote, Kicking Hamas's ass back to the 7th century. I think that was... No, I didn't say that. I did. But said the timing of the Israeli Defense Force operation is mm, unanimously... Unanimously. There you go. Determined by the cabinet that runs the war. We have set uh, over this war two main goals. To do away with Hamas by destroying its military and governmental capabilities. And to do everything within our power to return the hostages back home. All Hamas militants are doomed above the earth, underground, within Gaza, and outside of Gaza. There you go. So go for it. Now listen to this. And I want you to listen to this carefully. My entire life, since I watched Night in Fog as a seventh grader, and became aware of what has happened to the Jewish people throughout their history, particularly starting with the Holocaust and then the establishment of the Jewish faith. Uh, and I've always been um, very sympathetic to the Jewish people, and, and I've always literally put myself in their position when I read Anne Frank's diary of being hiding from the Nazis. Or, you know, you've seen all sorts of movies of Schindler's List and all of that. And, and I've always just empathized with what the fear and terror they must have gone through and what it, how we must never forget that. And yet at Cooper College in New York State, a group of Jewish students had to lock themselves into the library as a group chanting free free palestine pounded on the door outside listen to this this these are the people the students that need to be removed from the university kicked out of the university Now, here's what the Jewish kids locked in the library heard. I want you to listen to this. These are Jewish students, young students. Here's what they heard in the library that was locked to protect them. They're pounding on the door. I don't care who they are. I don't care whose mommy and daddy sent them to that frickin' school. They need to be booted. They need to be removed. Every one of them. Everyone who was there. FBI. Use their cell phone data. Like you did the January the 6th. People who were on Capitol Hill. Do that. Do that. But it wasn't just there. And coming up, Alan Dershowitz was on Newsmax last night. and He had some things to say about it. And uh, this has to stop. 
This is not organic. This is every bit as AstroTurf as the summer of 2020, and some of the same people are involved, including Black Lives Matter and Antifa. So if you want this fall to become the summer of 2020, keep going down this road, and if you don't, it's time to say hell no. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. Somebody call a plumber. It's time to drain the swamp. It's the Rob Carson Show. All right, so coming up, we've got a little bit more on what's going on at University Campi around the country, uh, including in New York, and uh, Alan Dershowitz's thoughts on the uh, rampant anti-Semitism that has been awoke and more importantly, awakened, I should say, and more importantly, exposed. All of the stuff that's happened on college campuses started years ago. It's just been exposed. Now we know we have to go after. We have to go over. Let me try that again. Now we know who after we, we have to go after. Dear Lord, what a day. Woo! James in Albuquerque. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello, Rob. Uh, got a comment and a question. Yes. On uh, The comment on uh, Carl Rove, like Matt Gates said, he's, he's from yesteryear. Yeah. And, and yeah. I know you like Mark Levin, and he's also from yesteryear. Yeah. And Newt Gingrich is from yesteryear. Mark Levin said that Matt Gates was an anarchist, and, and Newt Gingrich called for Matt Gates and all seven to be ousted out of Congress. These people are idiots. I don't care what kind of titles they have. Anyway. Okay, well, yeah, I, I think I, I'm not going to call uh, Mark Levin an idiot. I, I think he's really wrong on this, and I, I don't think. Well, here's a lawyer. I know. What I know, does but, that tell you? I mean, come well, listen, on. I, I respect. No, 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 listen. I, I understand what you're trying to say, James. I'm not going to yeah. disparage. I'm not going to disparage Mark Levin, but I will I tell know, you. I will okay, that's fine. That's fine. Let me do that. You do Here's that. That's question. fine. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> that, that vote went so smooth yesterday. I didn't understand how not one uh, Rhino Democrat objected. I don't know how that. I don't know. That's that's kind of fishy to me. But it was a clean vote. And I'm happy where we're at with Mike Johnson, and, and I, I'm just going to wait to see what happens. And we are here, all, all us conservatives out here are going to wait to see what happens. And I hope he does the right thing for the people of this country, not the party. So yeah, those yes. are my two things. And uh, I know we disagree on Mark Levin, but uh, these people are from yesteryear, like Matt Gates said. So a lot of their comments, and, and, and Mark Levin's a Fox guy, so there you go. And then... Uh, Newt Gingrich, he, he can't uh, wait to get on Fox to give his comments. So these people <laughs> need to go get on the rocking chair and retire. So. All right, bro. Thanks for the phone call. You know, uh, the interesting thing, um, I've been very lucky. I, I've had to wait a damn long time to do what I'm doing right now. I've had to wait a long time. I did music radio. I did comedy writing. I waited for things to happen. I waited for other people to help me out, agents, uh, managers, program directors. And they never did, and they never did. And finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I launched into talk radio literally eight years ago. First talk radio gig. I was fired two years into a three-year deal because I made too much money. Not because my ratings sucked. I was just making too much money. And then I had to sell cars. And then I become a talk show host thanks to Chris Reddy of Newsmax who calls me a Sunday at the dealership and says, where you been? And so I come to the fray 
after all of these other people have moved into their gated communities and gotten out of touch with who they were originally. I'm not saying this about Mark Levin, but a lot of people. When you've been a millionaire for a couple decades, you lose touch. I had to go on food stamps six years ago. All right? So, you know, uh, maybe I'm a little more in touch with what the American people feel than conservative pundits who've been doing this for decades and have sided with different sides all the way, including the old guard GOP, which I've said yesterday, if it wasn't the death of it, it's well on its way with Mike Johnson becoming the, uh, the new Speaker of the House. Hey! You remember a couple of years ago when there was no toilet paper? Do you remember the couple of years ago when there was no meat on the counters? Remember when the grocery shelves were all done? Remember when the supply chain broke and you couldn't get a car or car parts? Remember all that? What about medicine? You ever worry about that? Because if the supply chain for your medicine gets affected, you're screwed. It's a really good idea to prepare yourself. That's why I am proud to announce the wellness company and their medical doctors... They can put together an emergency medical kit for you with life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z Also, uh, some of the meds that somehow the government decided to just ban that have worked perfectly in other places, like hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, and ivermectin. Isn't that crazy? I got my pack right here. I'm going to open it up. Again, don't worry, ladies. It is just a little bag. A wellness company, medical emergency kit. I had mine done. Here's what you need to do. I want you to write this down and do this today. Because if you thought about water, if you thought about having some cash on hand, if you talk about to your kids about a password just in case you need to get together and you don't want to be duped and all the crazy crap that's going on in the world, and it's getting crazier, go to twc.health slash Carson. Get the ball rolling on your emergency medical kit. Get this out of the way so you got it. Do it now. TWC.health slash Carson. Order. Use my name, Carson. 10% off. All of these meds that you worry about. And by the way, this is just 1,500 pharmacies around the country closed down due to crime and competition. Rite Aid, CVS, Walgreens. What if it's yours? What are you going to do? This is too important to put off. TWC.health slash Carson. 10% when you use my name. All right? 10%. So yesterday, at uh, universities around the country, the anti-Semitism that has been allowed to be fomented on campus uh, burst out and became very obvious. Very, very obvious. This is uh, Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz was, uh, I believe he was on uh, Newsmax last night, talking about all of these kids who are doing these protests, who are literally saying things like, uh, you know, from the, from the uh, uh, river to the sea, uh, Palestine will be free, uh, all of these. You had the, uh, the Jewish students having to take refuge at Cooper College in the library. Listen to this. These are the kids in the library. The Jewish kids. Imagine these Jewish kids in, I don't know, like the Warsaw Ghetto in around 1944. This has to stop. 
This is Alan Dershowitz with a suggestion. He's going to use his power as an, an attorney and as a communicator to make sure these little jerks uh, get booted from college and don't get hired. Let me make my view clear. As a First Amendment advocate, as a civil libertarian, as somebody who loves the Constitution, I want to see the name of every single student who participated in any signing of any statement blaming the horrible assaults on Israel. I want to see their names published. I want to make sure everybody in the world knows who they are so that they can decide whether these people deserve to be hired for jobs. That's not doxing. That's not McCarthyism. That's transparency. That's the essence of the First Amendment. I will personally participate in the naming and publicizing the names of these students. Let them come after me at Harvard. Let them show some sympathy for the people who were murdered and raped and robbed. Okay, listen to this. Cornell University, defaced with anti-Semitic graffiti, reading F Israel, and Zionism equals racism just days after a professor who called Hamas attack exhilarating. Yeah, that's happening on campus. They need to. These are the hate crimes. These aren't the fake ones like they did at the University of Missouri, where somebody said that a, a swastika written in human feces was uh, smeared on the wall when it was just a student who did it. No, this is for real. This is for real. Spray-painted messages. Zionism equals racism. Imagine being a Jewish student and walking over that. Imagine that. F Israel. When you've got uh, people chanting F Israel and walking around campus. Unbelievable. Oh, and then, of course, the idiots. There was a Queers for Palestine rally in, uh, in New York City. A Queers for Palestine. Now, by the way, in Gaza, if you're gay, you're going to get killed. You're going to get murdered. If you're transgendered, you're going to get murdered. If you're in a good share of the Middle East and you even come out as gay, you're going to get thrown off a building. And these self-loathing morons decided to do Queers for Palestine. I mean, they're geniuses. Just really, really, really real geniuses. Here's a little more from, uh, from Alan Dershowitz, who's doing everything he can to avoid this becoming the second Holocaust. And let these students who signed this demonstration, blaming it all in Israel... Let them go and volunteer gay students for Palestine yeah. in Gaza, transgender what? students for Palestine in that, Gaza. You know how him, long they would last? One day they'd be hanged from the rafters. The best proof that this is all anti-Semitism, as Jonathan Greenblatt said, the best proof is that these groups that they support hate gays, they hang them, yep. hate transgender people, That's true. hate women, treat them as third-class citizens, uh-huh. and yet... These protesters are willing to give them a pass on these core issues as long as they also hate Jews and the nation's state of the Jewish people. This is Nazism 2013. 1,000% and it's got to be snuffed out. It's got to be put down. Absolutely. Put down like a rabid dog. Donors and alumni rescinding their support from Harvard University and the University of Pennsylvania in light of public statements that failed to condemn Hamas as a terrorist organization. John Huntsman has taken away uh, millions of dollars from the University of Pennsylvania, which don't worry, they'll just get money from communist China because Joe Biden keeps his classified documents there. Uh, David Magerman, uh, who helped launch a trading hedge fund, Renaissance Technologies, and a Torah-observant Jew, said that he would be revoking his funding from the University of Pennsylvania. Bye-bye. They normally get $50 million. Suck it, Harvard. Suck it, UPenn. There you go. Pardon, I, I hate to be untoward, and I apologize for being so terse. Not really, not at all. No, not one little bit. Then there's this. Now, remember what I told you about Black Lives Matter? 
Remember what I told you about inner city black people to the Democrat Party is what poor Palestinians are to the PLO and to Hamas. It is. It's true. Cannon fodder, martyrs. Uh, That's it. 1,000%. Top black author John McWhorter says progressives seeking to justify Hamas bloodbath against Israel are being patronizing racists who are condescending toward uh, Palestinians. John McWhorter writes that for American leftists to cheer the actions of Hamas condescends to moral values of Palestinians. He writes that in the United States, leftists suggest that the barbaric attack is the understandable consequence of Jewish colonization. Such perspective is deeply insulting to to, uh, Palestinian humanity. It implies that Palestinians are so controlled by circumstance, circumstance, they lack agency, meaning they have no ability to succeed because the man is working against them. Same goes with black people in inner cities. The Democrat Party says the system is inherently racist. You have no chance at success. Got it? Do I? I've been only talking about this for two weeks and nailing it every time before everybody else does. Uh, across the U.S. since the day after the attack that saw Hamas operatives rape, behead, and slaughter innocent Israelis in the streets. Large groups have been uniting in the streets to chant for freedom fighters in Gaza. Several chapters of Black Lives Matter, a completely corrupt agency that has done nothing but enrich the people involved and nothing for the black community, have publicly endorsed the Palestinian resistance to offer settler colonial state that is Israel. Some of them playfully used images of paragliders like the ones Hamas terrorists used to descend upon the Nova Music Festival where 260 kids were slaughtered. There is a kind of patronizing racism in the idea that slaughtering innocent people equates to noble freedom fighting, as if this were the only way to respond to oppression. McWhorter, who is himself black, then argues that American leftists excuse similarly bad behavior though on a much smaller scale during the riots that broke out across the country following the death of George Floyd. Some argued sincerely that looting and vandalism, uh, killing Jews, I'm just comparing, looting and vandalism, generally in neighborhoods in which people of color reside and own the businesses, was a conclusive statement of protests. In, uh, in uh, Gaza, the, uh, the murder of innocent Jews is the same thing, Right? How many of the people cheering on Hamas's noble freedom fighters could seriously imagine pumping their fists while watching the men on the way to murder Jewish teenagers at a festival? Decolonization, he says, is a word used to distract from actions that are inexcusable in any sane person's mind. There you go. There you go. Spot on. They're all Marxists. They use the same. Uh, they use the same. Uh, Modus operandi. All right, so I want to get to uh, Jamal Bowman. I want to get to, uh, we do have some, oh, the death knell for the cheap SUV. Uh, Two uh, uh, American car companies are rejecting $5 billion in federal money because they say EVs are for posers. Actually, I just put that in there. But that's coming up. And this is the Rob Carson Show. A lot of headlines in the news today. The uh, Pope has decided once again that women can't become priests or deacons. Yeah. When the question of women priests and deacons arose, Pope Francis said that holy orders is reserved for men. There you go. Uh, he says, he says I, w- I think we would deter- uh, undermine the essence of the church if we considered only the priestly ministry, that is, the ministerial way. Whatever that means. 
The fact that a woman does not access ministerial life is not a deprivation because her place is much more important. Ooh, I would not ever want to say that to my wife. I'm going to tell you that right now. I got If I said that to my wife... Kel, the fact that you do not access the uh, the uh, uh, life in this household that the rest of us enjoy uh, is not a deprivation because your place in the home is a is much more important. Book. Oh, you just kicked me in the oh ah. That's what would happen in my house. You know, I don't. I don't know. I'm a lifelong Catholic. I don't like this. I don't like this pope. I think this pope is. Uh, is he's not my pope? I'll just tell you that one. Hey, my pope. I know I'm not supposed to say that. Oh my god, I'm gonna get struck by lightning or somebody's gonna slap my knuckles with a ruler or something. But yeah, he's not my pope. Let's go to John in Silicon Valley. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Well, you know, you should be listening to Bloomberg right now, not to plug somebody else. But Janet Yellen, the genius, super oh. genius, is on explaining how we gave six billion dollars, which they're not going to access, plus another hundred billion to Iran, which they're which they can borrow against, which all of us know what a margin account is, and how they don't have access to money that they can have access to because it's technically in their name. You can't even do- this double talk from this administration is insanity. John, but John, hey, John, it's more than that. This is not incompetence. This is, I believe this is intentional. I do, I do, but I believe it has to be intentional. The the southern border, the Iranian policy, giving terrorist money, withdrawing from Afghanistan, leaving equipment. I mean, do we have to? Do we need any more evidence that the people in charge of this country don't love the country and want to bring it down? Does I mean, honestly, John, doesn't it kind of make sense? Well, we we elected Elmer Fudd, is what I figured out. Oh, I evil, we, evil Elmer Fudd. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's like no, just what you said. We got Foghorn Leghorn. We literally have Looney Tunes. I country. think. I'm big. No, actually, you're giving you're giving them too much credit. I'd say Mr. Magoo. You're I'd say Mr. Right. <laughs> yeah. L. Blank and Rich Freeling were a lot smarter than any guys uh, running this country. Uh, all right, crazy. I'll let you yeah. go with that. Go all right, John. Have a good one, boy. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. it you know, honestly, it, it's you can't be this incompetent. I mean, honestly, you cannot be this incompetent. If you look at everything, the economy, the southern border, fentanyl, uh, you know, every everything, everything is so ungodly incompetent. It's just, uh, it's just remarkable. Oh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, how much you need to afford a house in 50 American cities? Do you realize if you live in San Jose, California, you've got to make 373000 a year to afford a house. The median house is $1.6 million. San Francisco, you've got to make 282000 Median house, $1 million. And chances are somebody will be crapping in front of your house on the street in the morning. San Diego, 209000 for an $880,000 home. Then we move down to Dallas, where you can have a, a salary of 103000 to get a $372,000. You're going to be so house poor, by the way. Baltimore, $93,000 for a house. You've got to make $93,000. Uh, the house costs three fifty-seven, three fifty-seven, like Magnum. Yeah, it's a big thing in Baltimore right now. Uh, Nashville, a $93,000 to get you a $385,000 house. Memphis, Memphis, where you'll get shot to death. $68,000 and a $268,000 house. Kansas City, where I live, $76,000 is what you need for a $291,000 house. And if you get a $291,000 dollar house in Kansas City, it's going to need a bleep ton of work. I almost said it. 
Two ninety one. You're going to get something. It's like, oh my god! You're going to have a heart shaped bathtub. You're going to have all sorts of paneling from the nineteen seventies. St. Louis only sixty three thousand. Okay, there you go. In Pittsburgh, you need to make fifty fifty grand to be able to afford a house. There you go. Let's take a break and come back. This is the Rob Carson Show. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Worldwide Web, this is The Rob Carson Show. And this would be the last hour of the show today. James Rosen from Newsmax is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, one of the finest investigative reporters in the country. And so we're going to talk about what's going on in uh, Israel, among other things, bottom of the hour. The uh, main mass shooting suspect, Robert Card, is uh, is this person's name. He's an uh, Army reservist. Open fire with uh, an AR-15 at a bowling alley. Of course, the left is already going crazy on AR-15s because they don't care about black kids shooting each other in cities like Chicago. They wait for a situation where they can go after the weapon they want. That's why I haven't said much about it today. Because uh, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a bunch of people uh, screaming, gun control, gun control, before the bodies have even been recovered and the funerals have been done. So I stay away from it. I just, uh, you know, I, I just generally, and even the left, they took away thoughts and prayers. Remember that? You know, you're like, I just offer thoughts and prayers. They made fun of that. That's the left. So I really haven't made, uh, uh, said much about this, this person. It sounds like authorities should have known about this guy. There were several locations, the spare time bowling alley, uh, Schmingies, a, bil- a bar and grill, and a Walmart distribution center, although no killing, uh, no shooting was done at the Walmart location. Uh, began at 6:56 last night Eastern uh, in Lewiston, Maine, second uh, Maine, second city, second largest city. Uh, they were called to the spare time bowling alley at 7:15. Call was received at a third location, uh, Walmart Distribution Center. The uh, individual involved here is uh, still on the lam. Um, clearly had some skills with a rifle. 22 people dead. Your God in heaven. 50 to 60 people injured, presumably for life. That's why I haven't said much about it. Because all I care about is the people of the town. Uh, in this town, by the way, more than half of the people have firearms. And so uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, some people at least have some protection, which is incredibly valuable. Um, Trying to find some other information. Uh, oh, here's Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, I haven't even listened to this. Let's listen to Corinne Jean-Pierre. She's going to make it uh, obviously political immediately. But I'll just go ahead and run with it. So I want to echo the president's sentiments on this tragedy. Tragedy. On this tragedy. It's a tragedy. And the epidemic of gun violence Here we go. in general. Here we go. This is not normal. Mm-hmm. We cannot accept Why it. didn't you call, talk about it on Monday after 26 people were shot in Chicago? How about that? There have been literally hundreds of mass shootings in the last year alone, leaving okay. empty I'm not seats dignify at dinner her. tables across. Uh, screw her. That's why I don't cover it the day of, because you get crap like that. 
and they always have a political agenda in mind that is disarming Americans, and they will walk right over the Chuck body outlines of bodies and make that point. And that's what she did again. And that's why I don't give them the frigging time of day the day after something like this happens. I just want this guy found. I want him apprehended. And, and who knows? He could be hiding out. He may have offed himself. But it looks like authorities should have known about it because he had been, literally, he had been put in a mental health facility not long ago for two freaking weeks. And he is a, uh, a licensed gun trainer. So you can blame this on the local authorities or, or even the FBI. If they were not, uh, you know, maybe alerted to this. I don't know. We got a guy who's uh, mentally, you know, and he's a gun instructor and he's, you know, all of this. Maybe we ought to do something about it. No, we're busy uh, surveilling CRT parents and people who uh, protest near abortion centers. That's who we are. And then Catholics who speak, uh, who go to the Latin Mass. Those are the people we need to cover. So... That's, uh, that's all I'm going to say about it today, guys. I'm not going to get into a debate about gun control on the day that uh, people are waking up and, and mourning the death of their loved ones. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, and you can't make me do it. Let's talk about Jamal Bowman. Remember just a couple weeks ago, Jamal Bowman, he, uh, he, he pulled a fire alarm during a House vote that would have avoided a government shutdown. So he wanted a government shutdown, and he interrupted an elect, uh, a legislative proceeding by pulling a fire alarm as an adult. An adult did that. That was their problem solving. He should be removed from Congress. That fire alarm. Posted. Jamal Bowman said. Jim Gossett. He broke the law because it posed a threat. But that did that. that. He pled guilty, will have to pay a fine. When we all know he should be doing time. Jamal Bowman. He's a no man. He has no soul. Jamal Bowman should be kicked out. Jamal is claiming he did it by mistake. His made-up story, it is a total fake. The GOP, they cannot give in. Sing it with me now. Send Jamal packing, or he'll do it again. Jamal Bowman. They should know, man. He needs to go, man. Jamal Bowman. Time to hit the road. The lies he told, man. So listen to this. These are the uh, these are the children we have in charge. This is an adult human being who used to be a principal at a school. This is uh, honestly, if you voted for this this person, you still support Jamal Bowman. You're an idiot. Honestly, you're a moron. And I hate to say that. No, I don't. You're a moron. Jamal Bowman. Charged for pulling the fire alarm. He's facing prosecution for the stunt during votes to avoid the government shutdown. Now, Capitol Police have referred him to prosecutors who have hit him with one misdemeanor count and ordered him to appear in court. The September 30th incident took place in the Cannon office building. Sparked calls from Republicans for him to be expelled, and he should be. He's got to pay a $1,000 fine and issue a formal apology. I'm responsible for activating a fire alarm. I will be paying the fine issued and look forward to these changes being ultimately, these charges being ultimately dropped.
Bowman is a former uh, school principal, said he had pulled the fire alarm to open the door. He was lying about that. I thought the alarm would open the door. That was a lie. I was rushing to make a vote. I was trying to get to the door. He ran off, by the way. He didn't stay there and say, hey, officer, I'm sorry I didn't. Uh, I accidentally did this. He, he ran off, but he got caught. Bowman called the notion that he pulled the fire alarm uh, to delay a vote complete BS. You know what I think? I think you're full of it, sir. After pulling the fire alarm, Representative Bowman fled the scene, passed by ca- multiple Capitol Police officers, and had every opportunity to alert them of the mistake. And he didn't, because he's a criminal. There are people in jail right now who haven't had a jury, a trial by jury, in a thousand days. January the 6th protesters. And this jackweed, oh yeah, I did it. I interrupted a legislative proceeding that other people in jail for. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He pulled the alarm. This is an adult. He's supposed to be an adult. <laughs> it is, it is uh, to me, it is just um, inexcusable. Just inexcusable. Inexcusable. Absolutely ridiculous. But those are the people who are in charge. Oh, I want to mention this, because, you know, I should reset later in the show. You know, today, uh, a big thing happened yesterday, actually. We had uh, Mike Johnson, and a lot of times we forget, you know, we think you listen to the whole show. Sometimes you do, sometimes you can't, sometimes you miss the first hour. I didn't want you. But Mike Johnson is the new Speaker of the House. And I said yesterday on the show that uh, uh, watch the mainstream media and the usual leftist players, the old guard GOP like Karl Rove, the old guard uh, media types like uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, uh, all the lefties in Congress. And if they say in any way, shape, or form that uh, Mike Johnson is a MAGA extremist enemy of democracy, anything like that, you'll know the right decision has been made. This is Ali Vitali on uh, MSNBC. Uh, reporting on Mike Johnson in the field. Listen to this. This makes me smile. He's Jim Jordan with a jacket and a smile. Yes. That's something that when you actually start parsing through the policy yeah. comes through very clearly that yeah. this is someone who, maybe without the publicity and fanfare, is certainly working in lockstep on the same ideological and I know that's a great thing about it. ethos ideas that people like Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise have been talking about over the course of... And that the American people uh, support the last several years he just hasn't been doing it as often on fox news but this is who they ended up with and i think it takes me back to yesterday when you and i were having this conversation do you, do you think the american people want an open border do, do you think people want that us to be weaker uh, worldwide do you, you think they want inflation all of that yeah well that's the opposite of uh, of uh, of the republicans right now and uh, mr johnson and albeit at that point it was chaos because we didn't know who the speaker was going to be at least now there is a speaker for the first time in over three weeks but the conversation that you and i were having was that it's part and parcel to the Republican conference platform in the House right now yeah. to have anti-small-D Democratic values. And so it shouldn't be strong. Uh, do the Democrats have any values? But I don't think so. Striking that the person that they put up for this job maybe wasn't cited all over the January 6th report, <laughs> though there is at least one mention of him in there. Oh, yeah, but yeah, instead, yeah. he's someone who simply provided some of the attempted rationale for how to overturn an election. He What? He, he provided some of the intention? What the hell are you talking about? Oh, you know what? It just sucks to be you, Democrats, doesn't it? It just kind of sucks to be you. You lost. You got totally spanked. I mean, totally spanked.
Everything. You didn't even see this coming. That's a great thing about it. Here's Matt Gates. If you didn't hear this, this is Matt Gates. My, my good friend Barbara in Baltimore sent me this. I played this yesterday in real time as the show was happening. Matt Gates talking to Steve Bannon about how they pulled this off. And by the way, I said to you earlier, I said the people who could most upset the status quo in D.C. as the Speaker of the House, number one was Donald Trump. Then I said Byron Donald, then Jim Jordan, and I included Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson has kind of moved around in that, in that lineup there and you know, all that. But I'm one of the few people who've been noticing what Mike Johnson has been doing in Congress for the last couple of years and going, wow, absolutely wow constitutional conservative, a real conservative, a, a man of faith, a man who believes in the country and knows how to hell to grill uh, people on Capitol Hill, among other things. But here's how it happened. Emmer is withdrawing. Mark Molinaro, a moderate New York freshman Republican, stands up at the microphone and says, well, instead of restarting this process and having a candidate forum and sending everybody home for a good cry, Let's just take a non-binding poll on where people would be on the person who came in second. I just think this is uh, brilliant. And I, you know, I'm not into politics and political gamesmanship and all this, but I have to seriously respect on this one. Remember, and that was yeah. Mike Johnson. And Elise Stefanik said, well, that's against the rules. The, <gasps> the rules don't contemplate it. We can't do that. Ruh-roh. And brilliantly, Mark Molinaro says, then I move for unanimous consent that the rules be waived and we take a poll. Check. Mate. On whether or not Mike Johnson uh, could be our speaker nominee. And guess who objects to that unanimous consent request? Who's that? Kevin McCarthy. Who wah, is that? Wah. Kevin McCarthy stands up oh, and come interrupts. It says, I object to doing a roll call on Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson was exasperated. All the times Johnson had voted for McCarthy, had carried his water, maybe even voted. Now we know the right decision was made. I just think it's so glorious. I don't think it could have turned out better, to be quite honestly. If Donald Trump, if Jim Jordan, if Byron Donalds, I got to tell you, we're not settling for anything. In fact, we might even have somebody who's better than some. That's fantastic. All right, so coming up, the death knell for the cheap SUV. Also, um, a, uh, a, a man who uh, was near Capitol Hill on January the 6th, 70 years old. And he didn't even go inside the Capitol. He didn't talk to anybody. He went home, and his home and his mother ho- mother's home were ransacked by the FBI, and he had a stroke while it was happening, and the FBI didn't help him out. Yeah, that's coming up, and this is the Rob Carson Show. What would you do if I told you that New York City is thinking about making Central Park into a giant, are you ready, tent city for homeless people? I know, I know, you people in New York. If I were in New York City, particularly Manhattan, I would be hacked the hell off because uh, Sanctuary City is wrecking your town. And if you voted for the, uh, the Democrat Party, I mean, it's your own damn fault, but you can still be mad. <laughs> you can still be, I mean, it's like, oh boy. I, I'm uh, hopefully going to be going to uh, New York City in December. I'm a little concerned because it was getting kind of weird last year when I was there. I had a guy literally urinate between two buildings. Just stick his little bit of butter right there between the two buildings. His moms and daughters walked by and the stream went out there on the sidewalk. And everywhere I went, I smelled urine and pot smoke. So I can't imagine. <laughs> it's not all bad. Listen, I, I really love the city. I do. 
It's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. You look down an avenue and you see 60-story buildings as far as you can see. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. The energy is amazing. I just wanted to get back to being the greatest city in America. That's what I want to do. And unfortunately, you guys keep uh, some people still keep uh, you know uh, voting in these morons. So that's coming up. Uh, the death knell for the cheap SUV or the cheap EV. Listen to this. Honda and General Motors are scrapping a $5 billion plan to develop more affordable electric vehicles after the boss at Ford warned that the eco cars had become a political football. Yeah, listen to this. And this is, you know, I feel like uh, a lot of the things that have happened in my life have brought me here at this time, and it's beneficial. So my going through poverty and and, uh, losing my house and all that has really gotten me back in touch with the struggles you're feeling. But also, working and having to sell cars for three years, I learned a lot about cars. And I I know what's going on in the business. And i got to tell you right now, there are some companies like Toyota, they're not investing a lot in EVs. You know why? Because they're for posers and they're worthless. And you, uh, any vehicle that is not just a light commuter car is worthless, okay, if it's, a, if it's an EV. It's just the way it is. So uh, automakers, uh, Honda and General Motors, have ditched a $5 billion plan to create more affordable electric vehicles amidst an industry-wide slowdown in EV development. Uh, they would uh, combine powers to slash the battery costs on eco cars and develop vehicles below $30,000. They've given up on that. After studying it for a year, we've decided this would be difficult as a business. So the moment we are ending the development of the affordable EV. Oh, it's like the Volkswagen, the government-mandated car of Germany. It's kind of weird. Why do Democrats always do that? I always kind of want to know why they do that. More uh, affordable electric cars are crucial to encouraging their mass uh, adoption. GM warned earlier this year can no longer uh, say whether it will achieve its profit forecast of $14 billion this year. The manufacturer has also delayed production of its Chevy Silverado, citing slowing demand. Ford laid off 700 workers making the F-150 Lightning because nobody wants it, because it's a piece of crap. This is a, a, a gentleman testifying on Capitol Hill about um, the possibility of, uh, of electric tractor trailers, electric uh, trains, and it's nil. So we're clear on the scale of the issue. Each electric vehicle battery for a heavy-duty truck weighs 8,000 pounds, and oh. you need at least two of them. So we're talking the weight of, you know... 16,000 pounds in a tractor-trailer, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you can max out at about thirty-five to 40,000 pounds of cargo. You've just taken away a third of that, more than a third. Four or five cars. And our, my for friend, a stupid battery. Friends and peers in the <laughs> industry nationwide who have Listen. tried to make efforts to put in, say, hey, I'm going to convert a dozen forklifts to electric, or Listen. I want to tee up a facility for 30 electric trucks there's no power the utilities come back the cities come back and say is this some kind of joke one friend tried to put in in illinois a uh, a facility tee it up for 30 trucks electrification the city came back and said this is some kind of joke you're asking for more draw than the entire city requires what and just to give you an idea 30 50 (laughs) trucks that's like a five six megawatt application the factory that makes the trucks is a two megawatt factory. Yeah, now, uh, I'm hearing from my friends in the industry. Uh, I know that Toyota is doing hybrid vehicles, which is brilliant. They got a new Tundra that used to get 12 miles a gallon. It's a hybrid. It gets 20, all right? They've got 4Runner. That's a four-cylinder with an electric motor. You're thinking it's cutless. No, almost 400 horsepower and more torque, and it gets 30 miles a gallon. Uh, a minivan Sienna, 35 miles a gallon. More torque, as much horsepower. 
it's better than an EV. EVs require 40 times the rare earth minerals that, it, or, or, uh, uh, than, that, a, that a hybrid would. And if you want to plug in EV, nine times the uh, rare earth minerals needed for a plug-in versus just a hybrid. Hybrid technology is the way to go. EVs are and always will be a bad investment, and they will never be in dump trucks or tractor trailers or fishing boats or tanks. That's just the way it is. Tanks, you're welcome. Back in a second. It is Rob Carson Show. I believe one of the best investigative journalists in America is James Rosen. He is working with Newsmax. He is at the White House this morning, and he joins us on the Newsmax hotline. Uh, James Rosen, welcome to the show. I haven't talked to you in a little while. Uh, how have you been, sir? Uh, great to be back, and I've got all my arms and legs and lungs, Rob, so I work backwards from that important <laughs> metric. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, what are you working on today? I know there's a lot of things happening yesterday on Capitol Hill. We have a new Speaker of the House. We have uh, Israel's response to Hamas and the United States. Uh, what are you working on today? So there's a lot going on. Uh, in the morning, we were covering some of the remarks made by President Biden at his first news conference that he's participated in in more than six weeks, uh, which was held yesterday when the Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, visited the Rose Garden. Uh, and there we heard, for example, President Biden cast doubt on the legitimacy or reliability of the death toll figures and the casualty figures, the injury figures that are released by the Gazan Health Ministry run by Hamas. Uh, we also heard the president um, uh, comment on a, a fairly um, unpublicized aspect of the Israel-Hamas conflict, and that is attacks by Jewish settlers in the West Bank against Palestinian uh, civilians. The president, in his remarks in the Rose Garden yesterday, said uh, that they need to be held accountable for those acts of violence, sort of calling out the Israeli leaders for not doing so. Today, no more recently, uh, just as of a few moments ago, uh, we saw a, a star-studded White House press briefing where we had not only Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, but Dr. Lael Brannard, who is the director of the White House Economic Council, the top economist in the White House, uh, responding to today's new GDP numbers for the third quarter, which showed the American economy surged in growth uh, by 4.9% in the last three months of economic activity, far exceeding expectations, um, and posing some really thorny questions for what the Federal Reserve should do next. And then we also heard from the retired Rear Admiral John Kirby, spokesman for the National Security Council, um, who described the Biden administration's requests for the Israelis to consider not a ceasefire, mind you, but what the administration calls humanitarian pauses uh, on the ground. Humanitarian uh, pause. Oh, yeah, it's a humanitarian pause. You know what else is real? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the, uh, my wife's personal summer. Uh, you know, she talks about that. Uh, that, isn't men that isn't menopause. No, 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 it's completely different. It's a personal summer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really? It's a humanitarian pause? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but, when I have to define it, um, yeah. I can tell you that Admiral Kirby did not respond in gynecological terms, but rather um, said that... Uh, these humanitarian pauses would be temporary, localized, designed to stop the fighting, yes. uh, so that uh, so that uh, task aid can can get in and people can get out. Uh, but uh, he said it might even occur in more than one spot at one time. Uh, but it's aimed principally at reducing the humanitarian suffering in Gaza. 
Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm sure there are probably some hot flashes going on over there. You know, when a when a when a bomb lies. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Uh, let me ask you, sir. Yes, I'm going to. We're moving. We're moving on. <laughs> Let me ask you this, uh, James Rosen, and I know you are uh, you not want to uh, do opinion, but I want to ask you about what your, uh, if you were an, inve- an investigative journalist, and uh, say, for instance, the morning after Hamas uh, reports that 500 people had been killed in a hospital bombing carried out by uh, Israel. What would you do before you came to the table with details on that story? Well, you'd want to verify as much of the details as you could. Why didn't CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News, and all these others, why didn't they, why did they just, I'll just use a, a broadcast term, why did they just rip and read? It seems like they just ripped and read, read what Hamas sent them. Why did, Why were they so profoundly wrong? All of them on this, if if the if they've shown the hospital, didn't hit the hospital, it was a, a Palestinian rocket that dropped from the sky, landed in a courtyard, destroyed some cars, did not impact the hospital. Why did all of those networks get that wrong? I need to know. Do you have any idea? Well, I, I can't speak for their coverage um, because I wasn't responsible for it. Um, I, I would say that um, it, these things can be difficult in a, in, a, in a war zone, no less, to to get to the bottom of. Um, and, you know, it was interesting in today's press briefing, uh, I heard Rear Admiral Kirby said, uh, when uh, asked to explain why President Biden places no stock in, in, the, in the numbers released by the Gazan Health Ministry, uh, Admiral Kirby pointed to this very incident that you're uh, referencing, uh, last week's explosion near the Al-Ali Hospital in in Gaza. Uh, And um, Admiral Kirby noted that the death toll figures turned out to be wrong. Um, The the attribution of the explosion to uh, IDF turned out to be wrong. Uh, And so that's why they placed no stock in those numbers. Someone else followed up, however, to ask, to mention that the State Department, the U.S. State Department, has in the past relied on the Gazan Health Ministry's numbers uh, and what accounts for the change. Um, and in short, um, uh, if the U.S. State Department has in the past relied on those numbers, perhaps uh, it could have been forgiven for individual news organizations to do so yeah. reflexively. Um, but um, in the end, um, I think that uh, to the satisfaction of the world, the, the true facts of that explosion have now been brought forward. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre the other day was asked about the rise of anti-Semitic uh, incidents around the country, and she completely whiffed and said that there were acts against uh, uh, is- Islam uh, uh, people who practice Islam and Palestinians in the United States. Uh, it-, it since came back that she said she misheard the question. What have you heard about that uh, since it happened? Well, the next uh, day, uh, Jean-Pierre made it her first order of business at the the following briefing, uh, right at the top, before taking any questions, uh, to say, let's make sure we have one thing straight. And she reiterated uh, the White House position on anti-Semitism and the need to combat hate in all of its forms, etc. So to the extent that uh, there was some sentiment that Jean-Pierre's initial answer to the questions um, uh, was somehow inadequate, uh, she took steps the very next day to redress that, and I think that whole issue has been put to bed.
Uh, there's also news that uh, 40 plus members of whistleblowers and insiders with the FBI are saying that the uh, DOJ, the FBI, completely tabled investigations into the Biden family, Biden family corruption. Uh, what have you heard about that? And, and uh, are you working on it? Uh, what, what if, what's, what's the latest development on that? I haven't heard about it. Um, I assume that, that these whistleblowers would be uh, working in tandem with one or more of the congressional investigating committees that have already heard testimony from uh, previous uh, whistleblowers, uh, mostly from IRS, but also from FBI, in connection with investigations into the Biden family members. Um, so we would have to await greater disclosure from those committees if indeed these whistleblowers are working through those channels. I, uh, I greatly appreciate you uh, talking to me today. Uh, a very unserious question. Uh, Halloween is coming up. Are you the kind of person that goes individually to the door and greets the children, or do you put the bowl outside and just say, take one? Uh, I steer a middle course, my wife and I, in which we have the bowl of candy out on the, on the steps, uh, and we sit there. And we torment every single child that, that comes up. Uh, you know, they're often very polite, and they're being minded by their parents, and they ask, how many can we take? And I say, you can, you know, in the beginning, we can say, you take two. Uh, at the end of the evening, when we were left with surfeit candy, we say, take as many as you want. But when exactly. I say, you can take two, and they reach in, and they go for the first piece of candy that attracts their eyes. They say, not that one. And then they drop, and I said, I'm only kidding. And uh, that's the trick part of trick-or-treat. And I, yes. it, it has actually been known to make children cry, and I do feel badly about that. Oh yeah, okay. So let me one and I just again non-serious. Are your kids? Are they grown up? Are they are they through the trick or treating stuff? Or are they still there? Pretty much. My kids are okay. sixteen and thirteen. So gotcha, you know, they're gotcha, rising gotcha. now. They're matriculating. They're they're maturing into the gotcha. outright hooliganism phase. I think. All right. So you're going to have to get rid of the smog machine like in a year or so. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate what I'm going to be. I thought you were going to ask what. Oh, what are you going to be? What are you going to be this year? Other than you know a serious journalist who never has an opinion on anything. Other than that what are you going to be <laughs> this you go historical my wife is going to be Hunter yes. S. Thompson, and Shut i'm going up. to be the big samoan attorney that was driving the car in fear and loathing in las vegas dear god man are you are you do you know nobody's going to get that right you know but <laughs> well, that's why i'm going to be wearing a fear and loathing in las vegas t-shirt in addition to the big Good. red hawaiian shirt that the lawyer was wearing yeah, no, All right. this is not exactly a crowd, please. No, not exactly. Uh, you also have this book, Scalia, Rise to Greatness. Tell us about that real quick if you haven't. Uh, we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, a fascinating. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah, this is called Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986, published in March by Regnery. It's the first installment in a two-volume biography of Justice Scalia, one of the most important Americans in the last hundred years. And it tells the story of how he got to the Supreme Court. It ends with him sitting down in his chair at the Supreme Court. And it's really a fascinating story of a man who had a very consequential career before he ever even became a justice. That is awesome. Thank you very much for joining me. By the way, I'm going as Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> this year. Thought I'd try something like that, see if anybody could figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Johnny Depp made a movie about that, didn't he? Okay. <laughs> yes, all right. Directly I appreciate back. you joining me, James. James, uh, God bless you, and thank you for the great work, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. You bet, you bet. I love playing with James Rosen because, I mean, I respect him more than you'll ever know. I really, really do. He's right up there. There's several journalists. And, and when, you know, it's kind of funny because when you do talk radio, um, I, I've kind of gotten to where, like, uh, you know, you, some people do fantasy football. 
Uh, I do like fantasy Congress. I guess. <laughs> You know, you know, or, or fantasy journalism, whatever. But I put together a team. I put together a team of the people that I, I like, and I follow their stats, and I follow their stories. And James Rosen is right up there, man. And with Matt Taibbi, a liberal. I lo- love Matt Taibbi. He's really come to the fore as a true investigative journalist, uh, unencumbered by partisanship. I think he's, uh, he's amazing. And, uh, uh, I mean, there, there are so many out there. Um, uh, Michael Schellenberger, um, uh, you know, I can go on and on. So, and then in, in, in Congress, like I said, Mike Johnson, I've been appreciating, uh, uh, Mike Johnson and, and, uh, you know, loving what he does for, for a number of years. So I was really glad to see him, uh, to see him, um, get in there. I think it's going to be awesome. All right. All right. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just right now, I'm going to toss everything out. Uh, all of the, the serious stuff that I was going to get to for the end of the show because we are, uh, you know, we are up against time constraints. And so I don't want to uh, get into something that I cannot uh, eventually uh, get out of or cut short before the end of the show. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play a little piece of comedy about Hamas and bombing the snot out of them in Gaza. This is Jim Gossett. Send Hamas to paradise, put up a parking lot. Carpet bomb them, let's give it all we got. Pew, 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 boom. Hamas, they need to go, and we'll all be better off when they're gone. Send them to paradise, put up a parking lot. Jump Joe Biden, he wants a hundred mil. For the same thugs that behead and kill. Oh, Sleepy Joe, Hamas, you're helping out with this cash. Time to resign, a true leader you are not. Send them to paradise, put up a parking lot. Bomb Hamas and put up a parking lot. By the way, if you want to uh, hear all of the great comedy of uh, Jim Gossett, my commentary, our guest, the podcast of the show, today's show will be up a little while after. It's about an hour after the show. Just go to Newsmax.com slash listen if you want to check out today's show after the show or any of the shows I've done, I don't know, the last couple of years. Let's take a break and come back. This is The Rob Carson Show. Last night I uh, went out with my family. Um, normally during the week I, I have a, I probably should. I always say it's a, it's a work night, so I can't go out to dinner. I can't go whatever because, I you know, it's, this is what I do. This is what I'm doing. This is my, I do radio like my life depended on it every day because I've been given a chance and I don't want to let you down every single day. So last night, my son bought tickets, and we went to see something that I thought was extraordinary. It was the original uh, uh, silent movie uh, that came out in 1929 starring Lon Chaney, Phantom of the Opera, the original. And, and I would have never watched this movie in full. I think I'm out of watch it in college in, in film study. But I would have never watched it in full. But I went to the Kaufman uh, Art Center here in Kansas City, and a world-famous organist was there. And they have this incredible pipe organ. And she played the soundtrack to a silent movie on a large screen. And it was one of the most extraordinary, most amazing, fantastic things. It took a movie that's 100 years old and made it relevant again and awesome. And it was, it was stunning. And I, and I know that we, in, as conservatives, we like to rip on uh, actors and all of that stuff. I've always thought that performing arts are incredibly important. And you do, too. 
Do you ever watch a John Wayne movie? Do you ever watch a Tom Hanks movie? Okay, there you go. End of story. Do you ever listen to a song? Okay. You ever watch stand-up comedy? There you go. I'm going to tell you right now, just from somebody who has done all, you know, a lot of these things, comedy writing, whatever, when you choose a career in performing arts, it's not because you're stupid. It's because you have a passion for it, and, and you believe in it, and you're willing to forsake riches most of the time, <laughs> just like in radio. <laughs> you're willing to, be, for your art, for what you do, and so I appreciate that, and, and like the orchestra, there's 80 members of the orchestra in Kansas City. All of them make very little, but they do it because of their passion for the music. And they're doing some really cool things here. They're making classical music relevant. And so, like, they're doing uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, the movie, with the orchestra. They're doing, uh, what else? They're doing uh, Harry Potter with the orchestra. I've seen Wizard of Oz with the orchestra. It's extraordinary. I think it's wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, Oh, listen to this. Listen to this. 1981 DeLorean. Uh, the car, you know, you saw in Back to the Future. We all know it. They found one in a barn in Wisconsin with 977 miles on it. 9,000 DeLoreans were made, and uh, they went bankrupt in 1982. The uh, body was covered with dust and rodent droppings. There were mice in the doors and all that stuff. The gullwing doors are still working. They're going to have to replace probably all the wiring, but it only has uh, 9,000 or 1,000 miles on it, less than 1,000 miles on that thing. And I want to tell you a little secret here. There was a 1985, you're going to laugh. There's a 1985 LeBaron, or no, no, K-Car convertible with paneling, the wood, fake wood paneling on the side. And it's for sale in Lawrence, Kansas, near me, and they went $8,000 for it. And if I, if I could convince my wife, I would buy it. Do you know why? Because that's the same car that was used in planes, trains, and automobiles. And I would paint it green like the movie from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And I'd put a big cargo trunk on the back. And I'd put a bunch of shower curtain rings in it. And I would dress up like Steve Martin. Maybe my son could dress up like John Candy. And we go down to the plaza this year at Christmas time. And we give people rides in that car and just show it off. Because it would be hilarious. I know it's, it's, it's ridiculous, right, for me to do that. But wouldn't that be cool? You know, for anyone who's ever wanted a movie car or a car like, like the DeLorean and Back to the Future, and by the way, at, at the plaza, they have a DeLorean and Back to the Future. You can rent it, and they've got some other cars like that. But I would love to buy that K car and make it into the car from the movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's my fantasy. I know. I mean, lower the bar on the whole fantasy thing. You know, you normally you'd be like, I don't know, fantasy would involve, uh, I don't know, some cheerleaders, you know, whatever, what are your fantasy? I don't know, I'm not saying mine is that, <clears throat> but that's my fantasy. I would like to, uh, I would like to have the uh, DeLorean from, uh, or not the DeLorean, I would love to have the DeLorean from Back to the Future, but I'd love to have the, uh, the movie, uh, Planes, Rains, and Automobiles, the, the K-Car, because it's the only way you'd ever want that car, and the car that they're selling has under 100,000 miles on it. It was owned by an old man who owned it since 1985. It's been in a, car, in a garage. It's, it's clean. Uh, they just got it running again, and they want 8000 for it. I wanted to buy it. Guess what my wife said? <clears throat> Well, she said no, but she said something right before it that I can't say on the radio. That's all you need to know. And generally, when, uh, when that is said by your wife, your dreams of a car are pretty much over. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. I didn't get a chance to cover Central Park becoming a homeless encampment, but I will cover that tomorrow. Make sure to check out the podcast. Go to Newsmax.com slash listen and share with others. God bless Israel. God bless America and you. And until tomorrow, which is Friday, woo! Don't catch a stupid...